All right. I think I'm just going to sing My Lighthouse for 15 minutes straight and then send, send you home. Just kidding. I'm not going to do that. Um, if you don't know who I am, my name is Ben Feenup. I'm on staff. Hello. Uh, I'm on staff here at Orchard Hill Church um, with high school ministry, so I'll be here every week. Um, let's give a, a shout or a hand raise if you went on Caravan. Yeah. Yes. Caravan is awesome. It's in July this year again, so I really encourage you to think about it. Start talking to your parents about going on Caravan. It is an awesome trip. And then let's give another shout or a hand raise if this is like your first or second time ever at Big House. No shouts from those sophomores. No shouts from those sophomores. We'll get, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, tonight, uh, we are starting off a new series called Stories from the Seats. And over the next uh, two weeks, we are going to hear from myself and then another leader um, about some awesome stories of how God has impacted uh, their lives. We usually do this series because stories of God at work are powerful and encouraging. And when we listen to other people's stories, we often learn more about ourselves and more about God at the same time. I very much believe we all have a story to share. We have stories of how God has shown up in our lives stories of being changed and transformed because of a relationship with him. Um, and that relationship doesn't mean our lives are perfect or all cleaned up or it's an easy journey, but God is with us through the good and bad. And so that is why we are going to be doing this series. So uh, this is a different kind of teaching for me. Usually I'm up here teaching about a certain topic, but tonight it's going to be, I really just want to share my story with you um, and a couple different parts of how God has really impacted my life and, and just shown up at certain times. But to start, I figured I have to show you some pictures of me from when I was in high school. So I've got a couple pictures, very high quality as you can see, um, very clear, taken with a 4K camera. Uh, I'm not really sure what happened there, honestly, but if you look at the, the picture on the left, you can see I had really, really long hair, and it all poofed out on this side. So that was one of my looks. And then the one on the right, I had a mullet at the time. So you can kind of see I was rocking a mullet before it was cool again. Um, next slide, much clearer. Um, those are a couple of my best friends at a homecoming dance and at a prom dance. And as you can see, my hair is much shorter, um, and that's the way that it stayed for most of high school after the fact. Um, and then the next slide has a couple more pictures. So the picture on the left is me and my wife when we were seniors in high school. Um, we weren't married then, but we were dating. And then on the, the right is myself, my wife, and our daughter, Emery. So that's a little bit about me, and as you can see, I was a lot like a lot of you in high school, um, maybe a little bit bigger with more beard, but other than that, we're the same. Um, I grew up right here in Cedar Falls. I actually grew up just about four blocks that way, uh, and my dad is a computer science professor at UNI, and my mom is a pharmacist. I was the middle child, the only boy, so I was often forgotten, and uh, no one really knew how to relate to me uh, as the middle child and only boy. Uh, I had a great childhood. My parents were always around. We went on a lot of vacations. My dad had summers off. It was amazing. 
And we went to church when I was younger. I remember going to church. I remember going to Sunday school and just reading the Bible like it was a storybook. Uh, And then when I hit third grade, like everything about Sunday school changed. It was like we weren't sitting in a classroom. It was like in a gym and there was a lot of things flying around and I really didn't like it. If you could believe it, I was a pretty introverted kid growing up, so I hated it. And me and my two sisters convinced my parents to stop going to church because we didn't like it. So that is how my church experience started. Um, But maybe, maybe that is where some of you are. Maybe your faith and your relationship with Jesus is all about what your parents want for you. And you haven't made a personal choice um, to follow Jesus. So maybe what's the next step? What could you do to make your faith more personal? And I didn't go to church until eighth grade. And in eighth grade, uh, I was invited to go to church by a friend. And he said, hey, come to youth group. It was at football practice. He invited all of our friends. He's like, youth group next Wednesday, be there. And we all showed up because invitations are really powerful. Invitations um, are just a really cool thing that, that people do to invite people to experience Jesus. And so I was invited and I went and, and kind of the rest is history, but maybe you are in a spot where you were invited to church and you're just growing and you're just learning and beginning your faith. Maybe you have been following Jesus for a long time and you should invite a friend to come to church and you should invite a friend to come and experience Jesus with you. So I want you to think about that. You know, who is someone that you can maybe invite to come here or invite to read the Bible with you or pray with you or just even pray for them? Uh, when I started going to youth group and when my friends started to grow to youth group, we were only there to hang out. I know it's probably surprising uh, to he- hear that from me, but we did not really care about Jesus. We didn't really care about learning about him or listening to the teacher or the worship or anything like that, but we just really wanted to have fun. Every Wednesday, Hive used to have a deal where it was all you could eat spaghetti and breadsticks for $4. It was like the greatest deal I know. It was the greatest deal in the history of of all-you-can-eat buffets. And we would go there after football practice, after basketball practice, after track practice, usually still really sweaty. uh, And we would eat as many plates of spaghetti, as many breadsticks as we could. And then we would go to youth group and we would get pop and candy and sugar. And that was just not a good combination. There was a lot of gas uh, from the spaghetti. There was a lot of energy and running around and just craziness. And we did not listen at all. Uh, In small groups, we just were crazy. We did not want to talk about anything. And we just basically ran around and beat each other up for an hour after youth group every single week. And it was awesome. I'm not going to lie to you. It was awesome. But we were not there to learn about Jesus. But the amazing thing was that our small group leaders and our youth group leaders, uh, when we would stop and listen, when we would slow down for just a second, they would just speak truth to us. Sometimes it was for five minutes at the end. Sometimes it was right away at the beginning. Sometimes it was just through prayer. And sometimes it was just by letting us be crazy and get that energy out. But when we would listen, they would speak profound truth to us. So I think the cool thing is, is uh, I think that this, this part, this thing that you might be able to relate to is kind of pointed at our, fa- our sm- family group leaders. Blah. Maybe 
as a family group leader, you come every week and you're like, I don't know why these kids come. I don't know why, why sometimes they're here. They seem squirrely. They don't know um, much about Jesus. They don't seem to want to learn about him. But I just challenge you leaders to just speak truth, speak the truth that you know about Jesus and who he is and what he's done in your life to these students. Uh, after a while, my friends and I finally started to really listen to uh, what our youth group leaders were saying, what the worship was saying, uh, and really started to hear who Jesus was. There was one night in family group uh, where our, our small group leader kicked everybody out of the room and told one person, um, you know, the gospel, which is a big churchy word, which is basically just the fact that God created the world. He created heaven and earth. He created everything in the earth. He created us. Um, and we sinned and uh, lost a relationship with him. And we tried to get a relationship with him ourselves and we couldn't. And then Jesus had to come and Jesus chose to leave heaven and come and he lived a perfect life and died for us so we could have a relationship with him. So he told one person that, and then he invited two more people in and they told them, and then they invited four more people in and they told them. And it was this really, really cool picture about how, um, how like Jesus could spread so quickly between people and just really how overcomplicated we make it. And I'll never forget that night because really like four people in our small group like really got it that night and we really fully understood um, who Jesus was and what he really did for us. And maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you know the truth about Jesus. You know that he came and lived a perfect life and died and we can have a relationship with him forever in heaven. The bummer part for my story, and I'm sure it's the bummer part for a lot of our stories, is that just because I knew that didn't mean that anything changed. Uh, throughout, my, throughout my whole life, and specifically junior high and high school, I placed all of my identity into sports and girls. <clears throat> I grew up playing every single sport that you could imagine. I started off at a very young age with gymnastics and figure skating. That's what I did when I was like three and four, and then I played soccer. Okay, my dad was a D1 gymnast. That's all I'm gonna say. He was a Division I gymnast, just like Pat Ayler, who's in the room. Pat Ayler was a Division I gymnast, so don't, don't knock gymnastics. You can knock figure skating. That was a weird one for me to do, but... Uh, but started with that and, and just continued to play sports. And so sports and athletics were just a huge part of my identity. And like I said, I have not grown in a very long time. So I, was, I stopped growing at age 12. Um, so as you could imagine, I was pretty dominant at a lot of sports. Um, and really, my happiness, uh, my mood, everything was dictated by how I did in sports. And if I had a girlfriend, if I was talking to a girl, if I was hanging out with a girl, um, that's where my whole happiness was, even after I really learned who Jesus was. For a time, um, nothing really changed. And because nothing really changed, my relationship with Jesus was not what it could have been. I would still go to youth group, and I would talk in small group, and I would give all the right answers. Um, but after hearing Jesus' truth, my life was not reflecting it. I just wasn't living to glorify God. 
And so maybe this is where you find yourself tonight. You know the truth about Jesus. You know that your life should change and it could change, but you're just not willing to uh, take that next step and put your trust and put your faith in Jesus. And if this is where you're at, I just I challenge you to take some time tonight, take some time after, after the worship and talk to a leader, talk to a parent, talk to a friend about, hey, this is where I'm at. I know that Jesus came and died and lived a perfect life, um, but my life just hasn't changed from that. So throughout high school, um, slowly, surely but slowly, I, I started to put more and more of my trust in Jesus. Jesus and who he was. Um, I decided to get baptized uh, my junior year of high school right at the end. And my senior year, my friends and I really made it a priority to to live glorifying God in everything we did, whether it was through football or basketball or track or soccer or baseball or band or, you know, anything that we did, we really wanted to show God's glory. And, and it was really a great senior year. I had an amazing group of friends. We did a separate Bible study every Sunday night, and it was just a really, really cool time. And then we all went off to college. And you would think, oh, you probably just kept going, and it was amazing, and you never looked back. You'd be wrong. Um, <clears throat> I would say that one of my biggest sin patterns is that I'm really prideful. I think that I can do things on my own. And in college, when you're on your own for the first time, that's exactly what I did. I just filled my time and I just tried to do the most things because I thought that's what gave me value and that's what gave me worth. Um, And through that, God really humbled me. I would do everything by myself. And then my freshman year of college playing intramural basketball, I tore my ACL for the first time. And my... 16-year-old sister who was still in high school had to drive me around and took me to classes sometimes. My mom would drop me off at my college class. My mom and dad would come and pick me up at my college dorm room. Um, I pooped my pants for the first time as an adult in my college dorm room right after I tore my ACL. So that was embarrassing. Um, But just continually since then, like I have this pattern of something bad will happen and I will put my whole trust in God and things will be really, really great for a while. And then I'll be like, oh, I got this. I can do it on my own. And God will remind me that I can't do it on my own. I'm now on ACL number three uh, and I think I'm finally learning, I think. So check in with me later this year and see how I'm doing. And I would say that these last few years have just been really hard for my family, and I would probably guess that it's been hard for a lot of your families. And so maybe you are in this spot um, where you're trying to fully follow God and fully put all of your trust and all of your hope and all of your dreams and all of your strength into him. And maybe you're just still figuring it out, and that's okay. Here at Big House, this is a place where we want to help you figure it out. We want to walk with you through everything that you're going through. Um, Yeah. And so I was really excited. I didn't plan this. I probably should have talked to the worship team and planned this better because the first song that we sang, Firm Foundation, has just been like my anthem lately. Um, Because it's really like God is what has gotten me through these last few years. And so the words say, Christ is my firm foundation the rock on which I stand. When everything around me is shaken, 
I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus. He's never let me down. And I've really found that to be true. And I hope that this is a place where you can come to and know that we're rooted on the firm foundation of Jesus and you can um, be going through hard things and, and just find Jesus here. So I have a couple things that I've really learned the last couple years uh, that I want to give to you as a takeaway. And the first one is, because we're talking about people's stories, I just want to say that everybody's story is different and unique. A lot of times people think that their story isn't exciting enough, their story doesn't have something huge that rocked them, um, and that their story is boring. Um, but I never, I never want anyone to feel like you don't have a story or that you don't um, have value or God isn't working in your life because he is and you do have a story. And just because your story is different from someone else doesn't mean one story is better than the other. And then at the exact same time, everyone's story is different. Everyone's story is exactly the same. In Romans 3, 23 and 24, um, I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit, but it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely um, by his, mm, through faith uh, in Christ Jesus. So we're all different. All of our stories are unique and, and different, but at, at the root of it, we're kind of all the same. And I find comfort in that. The second point is that whether you know it or not, Jesus and God are always with you uh, and always working. Sometimes it's just hard to recognize. And so when, when you feel alone or you feel like God isn't there, just know that he is. He's there in your story. He's there in your struggle. Um, and he is working in it. And the third one is that following Jesus is worth it. Uh, it's totally worth it. Just like in the song, I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus. A couple things. It does not automatically mean your life will be perfect or easy um, and that hard things won't happen to you and the people that you care about. It does not mean that. But what it means is that you can find peace in God's promises, uh, you can find comfort in God's presence, and that you can find hope in the work that Jesus has already done. So I'm gonna say those three, three things again. It mean, following Jesus means that you can find peace in God's promises, that you can find comfort in God's presence, and that you can find hope in the work that God has already done. I am just going to pray, and then I'm going to invite the band to come up, and we're going to sing a few more songs. <clears throat> uh, Heavenly Father, um, thank you that you are unchanging. Um, nothing that we do can surprise you or shake you. Uh, God, we thank you that you um, just brought us here to this place and that you are connecting all of our stories to each other and to you. God, I pray that we can see that um, and just recognize and acknowledge that you are here with us and working in our lives. It's all in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.